0: What an awesome God we serve, don't we? Um, I'm reminded as I I sing these songs, is everything finds its place in Christ. And um, that's what I love. I I love that. And we're gonna talk a bit into that tonight. Um, But I I just thought it'd be cool for us just to stop um, because sometimes we come out of worship and these are real holy moments. God's stirring in our heart. God's beginning to break things down. God's beginning to teach us new things. And so maybe just for a moment, would you care just to be still in the presence of God? Sometimes that's a bit scary for us. You know what I mean? Your mind starts wandering. you Start picking at your fingers. But Just be still. Ask God in these moments, God, you speak to my life. I reckon right, we sing that out. We sing praise the Father. Will you do that? This is the band you join in behind us because it's all about Christ. Come on, let's, let's sing that. Let's sing that as a church, as our prayer. Come on, let's give a shout of praise to our great God. For us, not against us. Almighty God, um, we do these shouts of praise because we're not clapping on the band. We're we're cheering on about the fact that You are for us. You're not against us, Lord. You died on a cross for us, Lord. Life is found in You. Lord, You're a great God. And Lord, I love the fact that You want to speak to us tonight. You want to speak to me, Lord. I'm delivering a message, but Lord, You want to speak to me probably more than You want to speak to anyone else. And so Lord, right now, we just pray You'll be glorified. You'll be honoured. We pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Hey, Amen. Please take a seat. Take a load off. How are you feeling? All right? Good? Oh, that's good. I can hear Jack over here. That's what I love him in worship. You can always hear him when he's singing. We're doing a series tonight. Um, we're beginning a series, should I say. And young adults, so I think you guys are doing this through your connect groups. Um, and it's the Life Shared series. And tonight, um, I was given the opportunity to launch off the series. Um, it's under the title, um, Join His Heart. And it's, it's really cool. I started looking into it and it's really cool. The thing that I love about God is that God loves people. A lot of people don't understand that. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people think, God? God loves people? You know what I mean, like, I thought he was a bit of an angry God. But actually, God loves people. And the thing that I love about God as well is he invites us to be on board with this mission that he has. Like this passage I'm about to read in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21, is all about God drawing people back to himself. And then he puts a call on us as a people. He says, look, I want you to be a part of this reconciliation process. And he goes, and then I want you guys to be ambassadors for Christ. And I love this because God is all about people and he's all about gathering people to go on the journey with him to see lives changed and lives restored to him. I don't know if you've ever been an ambassador before. Has anyone ever been an ambassador for something? No one. Okay, so I stand alone. I was once an ambassador. All right, an ambassador for a company that sold jeans. That's right. um, they rang me up, they said, um, Mr. Harris, and I said, yes, that's who I am. And they said, look, we'd love you to be an ambassador for our jeans. And I said, look, tell me more about it. And they said, look, we're going to send you free jeans. As soon as they said free, I said, I'm in. Send them through. So they did. I waited, and I waited, and finally this package arrived, and I excitedly, like a kid at Christmas, opened it all up, and they got two pairs of jeans, a black pair, um, and this blue pair, and so... I quickly slipped out, put them on. Can I just say, they were the tightest, most uncomfortable jeans I've ever worn in my life. You know what I mean? It's like I had, my legs were in two steel pipes. It's like I was wearing splints for my legs. Um, like, You know when you go on a flight or you go to the cinema, what do you wear? You wear your comfy pants, don't you? You know what I mean? Maybe not on a date. I did. But... Um, you wear your comfy pants. Well, because I was an ambassador of these jeans, I thought, well, I was going on a flight, and I thought, I better wear these, you know what I mean? And so people say, I never thought that flight was going to end. Like, I was strangled, and it was, everything was not good. And do you know how hard it is to be an ambassador for a product that is terrible? Like, it was hard. People that ask me, they'd be like, oh, mate, nice jeans. Where'd you get them from? And I remember thinking, oh, I've got to answer in a Christian way. I can't lie. So I just go, they're unique. You know what I mean? They really put a spring in your step. Like, they were terrible. <laughs> but the thing is, this, this call when God's saying, I want you to be Christ ambassadors, he's not calling you to a bad product. He's calling you to the most incredible thing in the world. The fact that Jesus is reconciling a world back to himself, or God is reconciling a world back to himself. And so I want you to read this. I'm reading this from the NLT, the New Living Translation, but open this on your in your phones, your different devices, or be on the screen in your Bible if you've got it. Second Corinthians chapter 5, 17 to 21. And this is what it reads. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. All of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sins, be the offering for our sin. So that we could be made right with God through Christ. An awesome passage. There is so much food in that. I want to give you some background into what's taking place because that gives us a better picture of what's happening. I always love to know who's writing the letter, where it's coming from. And maybe for you tonight, if you're new, uh, maybe you're new to this whole Jesus stuff, you, you don't know much of the Bible, I want to give you a little bit of background because it's how you can jump on board what's taking place. This letter is actually being written to a church that is in this city called Corinth. And the, the writer of this is this guy called Paul. You probably hear about Paul a lot. He writes a lot in the, in the New Testament. And what he's doing, he's written one letter, but this is his second letter to this church. Now, Paul hated Christians. He would kill Christians or imprison them until he had an encounter with God. His life was changed forever and he flipped and he went in pursuit of telling people that they need to become a Christian, meaning they need to become a follower of Jesus. Now, for you to understand what Corinth is going on, what's going on in Corinth is. Corinth, and you can visit the ruins of this, it is, um, I think, about 80 kilometres west of Athens. So you can go and see those ruins. But Corinth in this stage, and we're talking about um, 54, 55 AD, is this city was a large cosmopolitan city. And you can imagine if it's a large city as just like the cities around the world at the moment, you have everything you want you have excellent education opportunities. They even had the world's finest sports. It was a major centre for commerce. It was a major centre for politics. It had Greek culture. It's even said that secular philosophy was just the norm in Corinth. In Corinth. It, it was said that Corinth it used to, um, they had a pursuit for sexuality and a pursuit for idolatry. This is, this is getting a picture of what Corinth was about. It was like everything was here. The religion centered around pagan temples, where temple prostitution was just a common practice. In fact, they actually had this expression. I don't know if you know this, but it was called to be Corinthianized. You mean like oh, you've been Corinthianized, meaning that you have engaged in sexual immorality. Are you getting the picture? Like this city was like the tinsel town of the time. It was sort of like across. I'm sure they've got good areas, but not, these cities like Vegas and Amsterdam probably don't have the best name for themselves. It's like this cross of these cities, you know what I mean? And this is Corinth. Like if you wanted to know a city that was completely against God and was pursuing everything else they could, this was it. And this, um, in the middle of this and all this perpetual downward spiral of morality, God is saying, I am longing for them, this people, to be reconciled back to me. And guess what? He wanted to use the people in the church of Corinth to do this. He, he wanted the church of Corinth to join him in this process He's saying, because I want these people to come back and know they can have a perfect relationship with God. Think about it. Here's this city with everything to offer, and then here's this church planted in the middle of it. And you've got to remember that Corinth at this time was, would have been considered a very infant church. You know what I mean? It was the gospel of Jesus had only just sort of come and what happens is if you're an infant church, or like it becomes very hard when you're faced or planted in a city like that. Think about it. If you're a new Christian or you're a young church, think how tough it would be. It's tough even as a mature Christian, someone who had spent many years with Jesus. It's tough. Many years in the Word of God, it's still tough, yet here it is. They would have faced opposition. People would have ridiculed them for, in, for not indulging into the same things that them as a city wanted to. They would have been tested as a church. They would have been tempted as a church. Think about it. Every experience and every material thing they wanted was right there in their fingertips. But Paul writes this letter. He's reminding him. He's saying, guys, I want to let you know that you have a new life in God. You have a new life in God and he is now calling you out for his own purposes. In verse 18 and verse 20, it says this. It says, God is giving them, that means the church of Corinth, the task of reconciling the people of Corinth back to him. In other words, telling the people that God wants to restore the relationship that was broken. And then verse 20, it says this, and then you guys are going to be Christ's ambassadors. And guess what? Guess what? I'm going to do my appeal through you guys. You know what Strong's commentary says about that whole thing of reconciliation? The word, the usage of that word meant to restore to favour. Think about that. God is saying, this, this city that is so against me, man, my heart is that they will be restored back to favor in God. That's God's heart. God's saying, I want my children back. He's on the move and he's calling you as a church. He says, I want you guys to be the carriers of this light into this very dark place. God is saying, that city has turned its back on me, but I want them to know that I love them. I want them to know that I will forgive them if they turn back to me. And guess what I've made a way for that to happen? So God is saying through Paul's letter, saying, church, will you join my heart? Will you join my heart for mankind, for creation? Now, I don't know what would have gone on in the hearts of this church as they received this letter and began to read it. Some people might have just been like, yep, let's go. But the fact that... There's verse 17, which is like a precursor to all the other verses, which is saying, guys, your old life is gone. You've got a new life now. Makes me wonder if there was a bit of doubt in the camp. You mean whether they read this and they said, Paul, that's awesome. But I'm flat out keeping myself afloat spiritually, let alone helping a broken city become spiritually alive. Like, Paul, it is a mess out there. Or maybe some of them were saying, Paul, like, I don't have what it takes to do this. Maybe others were going, Paul, this, this new life you're talking about, I don't know what you're talking about because there's, you know I mean, I'm seeing glimpses of the old life in me and around me. Like, Paul, what are you, what are you talking about? I don't know if you've ever felt like this. Have you ever felt like this where you, you just feel like I have got nothing to offer? You mean like you see the call from God, you see the call of God, you hear the call from God, but you think, man, I have nothing to offer, I'm not courageous enough, I'm not spiritual enough, I'm not educated enough. You mean I've got this addiction that just keeps hanging on me and I mean, whatever I do to shake it off, it just, it just is there. Like how is God going to use me? Like I can hear it, God's saying, I want you to be my ambassador I want you to go and do this reconciliation process. But, like, I don't know if I can. This is why verse 17 is so significant. If we don't understand what Paul is talking about when he says new life, the rest of the process becomes a real struggle. As followers of Jesus, if we don't understand what it means, and we heard it through communion, we heard it through Pastor Twig's prayer, the fact that the old's gone, the new has come. If we don't understand what it means that the new has come, we're going to have rocky foundations for the rest of our lives. It's like Paul, you know what I mean, begins to recalibrate the church. It's like he just wants to remind them before he says anything else about being my ambassador or me using you for reconciling the the rest of the city back to me. He He says this, I want you to know who saved you, what you have been saved from, what you have been saved to, and then reinforce what God's heart actually is. Read verse 17 with me. It says... This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become what? A new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. It's like Church of Christ, this is your hope. I can imagine people asking, saying, Paul, like, what do you mean? Like, What do you mean the old life has gone, the new life has come? Because Paul says it's so matter of fact. He, he doesn't go and say, you know, the old life is still hanging around. The new life is just around the corner. No, he doesn't say that. He says, the old life is gone, full stop. It's done. And the new life is here. So like, Paul, like, you know, I mean, sometimes in my life, it doesn't feel like that. You know what I mean? I fail all the time. Like I'm trying my best. I, I want to follow your core, God, but my past keeps holding me back. See, see what I believe Paul's getting at here, Paul's not saying that, oh, yeah, old life is gone. You will never sin again. You will never struggle with temptations What I believe Paul is doing is he is talking straight into the truth of what took place when Jesus, the followers, when the Jesus followers actually that very moment they surrendered their life to God, the very moment they surrendered their lives to Jesus, he is talking about the transaction, the very thing that took place. It's what you call a positional stance. Your relationship with God is restored back to new. You are now a child of God. You are no longer an enemy of God, but actually you are a friend of God. This is what takes place when when you surrender your life back to Jesus. He says a transaction takes place. Now he's not saying now, well, now you've got this, go and sin your life away. You read um, the verses just prior to this, like 15, 16. Like it, it talks about like don't, don't go off and do that. Like because you've got a new life, you've got a new something to live for. But we've got to make it so clear that your relationship with God is not based on your good deeds not out of the amount of religious acts you perform during the week, not about how much money you give away, not how much you help little old ladies across the road. It doesn't matter what you do, it has nothing to do with you. It's God's amazing grace. I don't know if that's hard for you to swallow, but sometimes that's really hard for me to swallow because I'm a fixer. You mean I like to fix things? You ask my wife, something breaks, I just wanna fix it, like I spent years fixing aircraft, so surely I can fix this issue. But God says, no, you can't. I love this. Listen, listen to Ephesians um, 2. It gives us a beautiful idea of what, what it looks like. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin. Just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. Drop to verse four. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. When God raised Christ from the dead. Verse eight, God saved you. By His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us a new in Christ Jesus. I don't remember that, in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago. In other words, the moment you realised you had turned from God and you surrender your ownership back to God, say, God, I've gone my own way. The moment you say, God, I need you because no one else can deal with my sin and you allow God to take ownership what happens is Christ then comes to live in you. Did you hear it all the way through that passage? It's like Christ, Christ is in you. That's significant. It's significant that you understand this, but because prior to Jesus, it was... Christ didn't live in you. It was me living in me. It was me living for me. I was spiritually dead. I was disconnected from God. I would see everything the way the rest of the world would. Was no different to the city of Corinth. But Paul's writing, he's saying, but Corinth, but church in Corinth, this is not the case for you because Christ lives in you. Because you believe in Jesus. And you see things from a completely different lens. Because you have been made right with God through Christ. Now, see people. You can now see people the way that God sees people. Do you understand that? The significance of Christ living within you. If you don't have Christ within you, it is just yourself. I love this. I love this about God. I love this about Jesus. When it comes to God and talking about giving a new life, he doesn't do a restoration. He doesn't do a a renovation. He doesn't even just do the latest update. He takes your old life And he puts it upon himself and he gives you a brand new life. I forgot about this in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? Like I keep forgetting that. that God actually, uh, the moment I came to faith in Jesus, Christ lived in me. So I received his life and my old life was done with. Isn't that not the most incredible truth ever? That's where you find freedom. That's where you find hope. It's where that positional stance is that, yes, we still sin. Yes, we're still broken. But now God doesn't look at me and see my sin. He sees who? He sees Christ, who was perfect. Remember it said that Christ, who had never sinned, took my sin upon himself, that I might be what? The righteousness of God. I love this. You are now in Christ. The old has gone full stop. It is dealt and done with in God's eyes. And now you're in Christ. The new life has begun. Then you love this verse? Verse 18, it says, All of this was a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. Verse 21, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. It's clear, you can begin to see the love of God. It's what you hear in Paul, you hear all the way through the scriptures, it's always saying in Christ, Christ in me, in Christ. Like maybe tonight you're sitting here and you're thinking, well, I mean, that sounds great in theory, but who is this Jesus? Like, who is this Christ? Like, who who is this person that God keeps talking about that he is reconciling God's people through Christ? Like, who is this Jesus that can actually forgive sins? Why is Jesus so important? Because I hear this all the time, God, Jesus, Jesus, God, and they keep interchanging. I want you to look at verse 19 because this is critical for us to understand. This is critical for us to understand if we are going to be a church that goes out on the mission that God's called. God wants to go through us to reconcile people back to him, and then God wants to use us to be Christ's ambassadors. This is critical to understand. Because if we can understand this, we understand what we have in Christ. See, this is the reason, if we can understand this, this is the reason why we're gathered here today. It's the reason we have new life. It is the defining difference we have that differs from any other belief system. And I love, it brings new life to verses like Romans 6. It says, the same power that raised Christ from the dead now lives in you. The same power that raised Christ from the dead now lives within me. And so what is it saying in verse 19 when it says, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. What is that talking about? It's saying that Jesus is God. This is so important. It's like, you know, an episode of The Mask Singer, you know what I mean? Like someone's up there with their mask on, you're like, who is that? And it's like, oh, it's Pauline. You know what I mean? Like this is this fact of what people are like, who is this Jesus? And they're like, oh, this actually is God. Jesus claims this all the way through Scripture. And why is this so important? Because if God was not in Christ, if God was not in Jesus, then Jesus would have just been a man. He would have been just a good teacher. He would have been a great influencer with a huge account of followers. He would have been a really nice guy who loved the outcasts, for some reason knew how to heal the sick. And then on top of that, he could have been a little bit loopy because he kept telling people about Je- that he was God. You know, hey guys, just letting you know that I am God. But we read that Jesus was actually God, which is highly significant. Uh, John 1 tells us this though. It says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. What is that saying? When you see this word, word, and you'll see in in your scriptures, it says the capitals, meaning Christ. In the beginning was Christ, was Jesus. And Jesus was with God. And Jesus was God, meaning they're the same. See, if Jesus wasn't God, then He would have never had the power to forgive sins, and He would have never been able to make a way for us to be righteous with God. God would never have been able to use Him to be the mediator between God and man. Look, uh, let me let me illustrate it this way. Let's go back to the gospel. Uh, let's think about this I I don't know about you but I have done a very good job of separating myself from God I mean we read about it in in uh, in Genesis with Adam and Eve you know I mean we've all or most of us have heard that story Adam and Eve God creates them they're in this garden they're doing perfect life with God God says don't eat from there but everything else is yours you know what happens when someone says don't eat from there you go and look in the fridge you know what I mean? It was inherent. It was in their life. They grab it and in that moment, they turned away from God. They said, God, this looks good, but I am going to go this way because I think my ways are better. Same with me. God, I, I, your ways are good, but I think I have a better way of knowing what to do in my life. Sin enters the world. We separate ourselves from God, meaning God is everything that is good and we pull ourselves and remove ourselves from that, we are separated from God, broken. But as you read through the Gospels, God knew that no one else could deal with the sin problem. No one else could reconcile man back to God. See, God didn't need to be reconciled to man because God never did anything wrong. But man separated themselves from God. And God in his great love, he looks and he goes, you know, they are my children. I created them and I love them and I want them to be in relationship with me because if they keep going down that path, if they keep doing the old life, it's not looking good for them. And so what does God do? God says, no one else can deal with a sin, so I'm going to go deal with a sin. Jesus. Jesus is fully man, fully God. It is God coming in pursuit of his people. What other God would do that? What other person would pursue someone or pursue people who turn their back deliberately on God? But here we've got a picture of it. And Jesus knows that our sin, the penalty of it is death. He says he's a just God. It needs to be dealt with. So he deals with it by himself being executed on a cross for the punishment of the sins of the people. But then he raises again three days later. The significance of that is he says, see, I am God. See, I created life. And see, I can conquer the sin and I can conquer life. Christ in us. It's significant for us as a people as we go in pursuit of the things God has for us. Can you you begin to see it? You have been restored back to right position with God. The new has come. You've been made right with God. You are a friend of God. You are now a child of God. You are actually co-heirs with Christ. Sometimes I get nervous saying that. I'm like, oh, I can't. Me, a co-heir with Christ. This is what the Bible says. This is the extent of how God is bringing us into his family. This is why Paul keeps saying in verse 17, "Before all the rest of the stuff, he says, "This means that if um, anyone who belongs to me has become a new person." And then he says, "Now that you've understood what you have in Christ, understanding that you are no, a new person, you have a new life, not based on your deeds, but based purely on what I did on the cross for you, even while you're still a sinner, he goes, "Now you can go." Now you can go out and begin to do the redemptive work because guess what? It's Christ in you. God wants to go through you and begin to bring people back, pointing them to God, the only person that can do that. And He wants you to be His ambassador. Do you know what you have in Christ? Do you you really know it? Do you know the authority? you have in Christ. And so I'm going to get the band to come up. And I'm going to read some scriptures. Um, They're they're from all different scriptures around the Bible, and and it's talking about what we have in Christ. Meaning tonight, if you are here and you've given your life to Jesus, this is what you inherit And so just with all eyes closed, because this is between you and God, I want you to allow these verses to sink over you, to sink into your life. Because this will change the way you're an ambassador for Christ this will change the way you go after your friends this will go this will change the way you love those who are against you it says this in romans i am a joint heir with christ i am more than a conqueror through him who loves me colossians says i am complete in him who is the head over all rule and authority of every angelic and earthly power. Ephesians says, I am alive in Christ. 1 John 5 says, I am born of God and the evil one does not touch me. Ephesians in 1 Peter says, I am holy and without blame before Him in love. 1 Corinthians and Philippians 2 says, I have the mind of Christ. Philippians 4 says, I have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. 1 John 4 says, The Spirit of God is greater than the enemy of this world, and he lives in me. Romans 5 says, I have received abundant grace and the gift of righteousness, and reign in life through Jesus Christ. Mark 16, Luke 10 says, I have received the power of the Holy Spirit and He can do miraculous things through me. I have authority and power over the enemy. Isaiah and Peter says, I am healed and whole in Jesus. Ephesians and Colossians says, I am saved by God's grace. Raised with Christ, seated with Him in the heavenly places. John and Ephesians and Colossians and Thessalonians all say, I am greatly loved by God. And Colossians 1.11 says, I am strengthened with all a power according to His glorious mind. Will you stand right across this place? Will you stand to your feet? This is what we have in Christ. And church, God is saying that He wants to send you and me to begin to go and tell people about the love of Jesus. He says, I don't want you to be the Christ ambassadors." You're like, I'm not good enough. He says, you have a new life. It's because now Christ lives in you. Stop doing it on your own. And so right now, just as a response, In a moment, we're going to sing a song. And you don't have to do this. There's never any pressure from the front of stage. But in this song, if you have never given your life to Jesus, and tonight you realize there's a God who's not angry with me, there's a God who loves me, there's a God who wants to forgive me, well, tonight is your night. And I'm going to get you just to be real courageous. I'm going to get you to come down the front. One of the pastors is here. Just tell them, say, hey, I want to give my life to Jesus. They'll lead you through that. It's it's a simple, straightforward thing. The second response is this. You had let go of the old life, but now you're beginning to grab back onto it. You're beginning to grab back onto it. And you need to be reminded that you are new in Christ. Tonight, I want you to come as well, up the front. You want to kneel, stand, whatever you want to do. And the last one is this. You're saying, God, I want to be your ambassador. Use me. Come. Come, spend time. God's here through his Holy Spirit wanting to do a ministry. Come on, let's pray. Almighty God, change our lives. Change our lives, we pray, through the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your grace, your mercy. In only the name of Jesus. Amen.
1: Lord, we thank you for the good news of the gospel, the best news in all the world, that you have come, that you left all the glory of heaven, stepped into this world. You came to reconcile all people to yourself, all creation to yourself, Lord. And so thank you, Lord, that we know this truth here. So many can testify to this truth, Lord. I pray even for tonight for some for the first time are saying yes to you great god that you would fill them with the awareness of your joy and and your presence with them your peace that comes from you great god and i pray lord my prayer is that you now would anoint us to be your ambassadors that we would be as you said lord that we are the light of the world you'd take us now as we head out this week Lord, as we head in to all you have ahead for us In this season of of reaching out, Lord, just incredible opportunity before us. We pray you take us, use us to be those, Lord, who, who are a part of your kingdom plans and purposes, great God. There is no greater cause to live for, no greater cause to live for. And so we say, Lord, as Pastor said tonight, Lord, it's no longer us that live. But now, Lord, we want to live for you, great God. We want to live for you. Help us by your holy spirit we need your help in that and so lord anoint us now we pray i ask for your blessing on each one and we pray this in the mighty and the powerful name of jesus and everyone said amen please be seated if you would like prayer we'd love to pray for you come down the front we've got bible gift packs if you want to know more about what it means to have a relationship with jesus do stay afterwards as well we'd love to greet you and say hi to you god bless